Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. We got a great part two for you. By, back by popular demand, Max Good, a longtime head coach at Maine Central, head coach at Eastern Kentucky, head coach at UNLV head coach at Bryant, head coach at Louisville and Marymount, who will join me. Just love. He's so incredibly entertaining. Um, I want to give you kind of this thought, and this is a, a random one for you. I was watching the Lakers, Mavericks, and keep in mind, Luka Doncic didn't play. But the Mavericks had the game. They're up three. LeBron comes down, misses a three. And um, Maxi Kleber kind of got pushed by Anthony Davis, lost the ball. They end up, Lakers get a corner three, make it, force overtime, and then win in overtime. But it was more that Christos Przingis was in the area, is far and away the tallest guy, and could not secure the rebound, that it's one of those aha moments. Like, look, you can't get a rebound with a game on the line up in your seven foot six. Like, I really don't know. And it's in your area. To not get that basketball, that's a kind of I'm dumb with you sort of thing. I get when you're out shooting threes, it's hard. To get in there and board. Understood. I get that with your frame. You're not built for, you know, the lower guy and, and being super rugged. But that's one where that's it. Like, there's just moments where you have that clarity of he doesn't have the toughness, the tenacity, the, the winning, the competitive desire to do it. 
That's that's what I see. Um, a lot to get to. We'll get some more hoops in in a second. First, so let's get to part two of Max Good. Um, all right, Max. So last time when we last spoke, uh, we had gotten to you as an assistant coach in Las Vegas. How did it? How did you get? Take me through the process of when you got the interim job there. Oh, when I got when they let Billy go. Yeah. Which was undeservedly, I will add. I'll go to my grave thinking that they had no probable cause for anything. But anyway, uh, it went well. I mean, the the players liked it until we got to the first practice. <laughs> and then they said, can we have a second vote? <laughs> Wait, so so but how did it do you remember where you were when did Billy call you or you guys just heard and then who called you in and said, Hey, you're going to be the guy. Like, how did it all go down? Well, yeah, they just, they, they called me in and uh, told me I was going to take over if I wanted to. And they said, what do you want to do about your salary? That's the first thing they hit me with. I said, Hey, I didn't come here to be the head coach. You can cut me $10,000. I don't care. And of course I didn't, but my wife cared doubly so. So she was upset with me because, you know, they gave, they gave me a bump in pay, probably more than I deserved, but I didn't ask for it. But, uh, you know, it was a smooth transition because to be honest, Doug, I, I did a ton of the practice in practice. I did, I did a lot more than I should. So what do you, what do you say to a team when, when their coach is, is fired and, and the season is not done. I said, you know, we had 22 games to go. And I said, guys, this is the, this is the, 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 the hand we've been given. Uh, they let Billy go and it wasn't fair. I know he recruited you all. You certainly wouldn't have voted for me, but I'm who you got. And you're who I've got. And we need to proceed from there and try to salvage as much of the season as we possibly can. Um, and our first game was with Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. Now, that was, that was after the Kenyon Martin year, but they were still very, very good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they were good. They had that really good guard. And, and uh, they, uh, they, they came out and they – you know, they won, but after the, after the game, Doug, in the press conference, they, they said, Coach, what was your, you know, what was your feeling about this game? I said, I'll tell you my feeling. I said, Cincinnati took a plane across country, walked in here, and kicked our fucking ass. That's what happened. <laughs> and I slammed the table, and when I did, the microphone hopped us literally at least six inches. Well, one well, of the things. Go ahead. That that ended. That uh, that that interview was over as soon as I did that. Nobody, nobody, everybody froze, and nobody asked a question. Uh, how how hard was it to get guys to respond in ba- playing in Vegas? And, and I say that because you know I think then uh, this is an outsider's perspective, but somebody who's covered a bunch of UNLV games. And was always a UNLV fan. Like the thing that Tark was and that group was able to Gerg and those guys were able to do was get those guys. They, they had a lot of they had junkyard dogs that they were tough as hell. And 
Um, but, you know, I, I felt like kind of the later incarnations, you know, you had guys that went to Vegas for all sorts of, I don't know, all sorts of other reasons. It felt like there was a lot of guys that was just, they're waiting to try and make it in the NBA. And, and maybe that wasn't this team. Uh, it was a little bit, I mean, you Billy had talent. Now those teams had a ton of talent, but for whatever reason, you know, with the exception of a couple of Lon's years, it doesn't feel like they've ever been able to get close to back to that level of like toughness and grittiness. And, you know, I, I feel like some of those kids are a little bit entitled and, and in order to get them, you have to allow people to hang around them. And I, I don't know, I just, again, outsider's perspective, it seems hard to get guys at UNLV to be uh, uh, tough minded and play the type of basketball you like to coach. How was it for you? Well, I think it kind of coincided with the onslaught of AU and everybody for themselves. There was some of that. There was some of that, but uh, I tell you what, I uh, I'd take guy like I I played Casper Scambala one night. I played him a half, and then I told him second half he wasn't playing anymore. I said I'm not watching this bullshit. And I set him for the last 20 minutes. And, uh, of course, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, crazy about that, but I wasn't crazy about the way he wanted to score, but uh, didn't really want to rebound and could have been a decent defender, really. He was strong enough, and he could have helped people off in the post, but that wasn't his deal. Yeah, we'd throw it in the post, and he'd get doubled, and we'd, you know, we'd want him to turn – away from the baseline, turn and throw diagonally, you know, because we'd have definitely have a mismatch. And, hell, he'd take the ball and throw it in the crowd. You know, so we'd say, you know, Cass, just just score. I'd rather he try to score over two people than than, than throw the ball away. But uh, it so, just so, – So that year, uh, it comes to an end. Yeah. Okay. What what, what, what how? How did you, how did Bryant come to be? Well, it came to an end and ironically, we beat Wyoming twice. They won the league that year and we were the only team in the league. That's only two losses they had in the conference. I'm quite sure. We beat them in our place. I mean, well, we beat them there and then we beat them at our place. And after the game, people were going crazy because we won. Now you got to understand, Doug, with about five games to go, they announced that we weren't going to get to play in the postseason tournament. And I can tell you now, we'd have had a shot at winning that because it was in Vegas. We'd beaten the number one team twice. So we had to be, you know, I, I think somebody's estimation would be that we'd have a, a fairly good chance. But we were told with five games to go that we weren't going to play in postseason play. Well, the same thing happened that year to St. Bonaventure, and they they folded up their uniforms and put them in mothballs. They quit playing that year. And uh, we didn't do that. We kept playing. Now, we're getting ready to go on a trip to New Mexico, and I don't remember who our travel partner was. I, I'm not sure we had a travel partner with New Mexico. I knew we had Colorado State and Wyoming together, but anyway – 
uh, I had two or three seniors said, well, they didn't want to play the rest of the year. I said, that's fine. You get over to Bursar's office on money and uh, on Monday and you have a checkbook. You're going to pay for second semester. Well, I was selling wolf tickets. I, I mean, they, their scholarship included that. That couldn't have happened. I said, I don't care if you play or not but you're going to pay to, to go to school here next semester. Well, obviously they played and we, we finished well. I mean, you know, like I said, we beat, uh, we beat uh, Wyoming. And after the game, Billy, I, I invited Billy in the locker room and the president and the athletic director came in to congratulate us on winning. And Billy was hiding in the other room you know, he didn't want to, you know, them to know he was there, I guess. And I made him come out in front of them. Now, Steve Karp swears that that cost me the job, that had I not done that, I, I, I probably would have kept the job. And I, you know what? Uh, who's the who's the guy that's on, on the strip? His, his brother. uh his brother is the one that sent Jennings and some of those guys overseas. You know, he, he started the uh, Dapper Dan game. Famous oh, guy. Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny Vaccaro, yeah. His brother said, he called me and he said, Max, you should get this job, but you're not going to, I don't think, because people on the strip don't feel they got any control over you. I said, well, I don't work for the University of the Strip. I don't care about the people on the damn strip. I didn't like all the ancillary surroundings in Vegas, to be honest with you. I, I really didn't. I think it made the kids feel somewhat entitled. Yes. And, and uh, you know, I just I, I wasn't totally comfortable with that. So I wasn't unhappy that I didn't get that job. I really no, was. It, it, it's a it's a very challenging job. Very, very challenging. Well, and and for the for the reasons that, that you said you know, forever and maybe it changes now with the Raiders and the, the Golden Knights being in town or whatever. But that was they were they were everything for the town. And so, you know, everybody wanted to kind of piece of the action. Everybody had a everybody had somebody's ear, you know, whether it was a kid on the team or somebody who was hanging around him. And, and, and again, this is just observing. But, yes, it, it feels like it's hard to. When you're a college town, the head coach is it. Their word is the law, and 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 you know, there's it's it's easier to it's easier to discipline guys. And I'm not talking about like I think what happens is when like a fan hears discipline, they think there's some like Darconian, you know, evil evil thoughts to it. Like no, you're like a 19, 20 year old kid. You're gonna you're gonna push to see what the boundaries are for your head coach. And not a lot of head coaches, Max, would do what you did with Casper Scambala, who's an upperclassman, and sit his ass when he's not playing. Guys will just acquiesce, you know? Yes, you know? Yeah. Denny Crum uh, had a great definition to discipline. He said, a team that has discipline is a team that plays like it practices. You know, you practice a certain way. If you play that way, you've got discipline. It isn't passing 23 times before you take a shot or it isn't, you know, it's making the right play at the right time. And of course the problem is when you've got five players that think that they're the right play is for them to, you know, perform or for yeah. them to get theirs. And they just don't understand the impact that non-scores can have. And I think you're a classic example of that. Somebody that controlled 
a game, you know, with your the way you ran a team. And I said last time that when I saw you play at Laguna, I thought you were the biggest prick and biggest asshole I'd ever seen. Well, you ran you ran shit there. You, I mean, you, you, Max, you, Max did you, you, you actually texted me. You actually thought I was, uh, I was bothered by that. That's like a, a turn. Oh, no, hell no. I know you fed off that. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's almost like no, making you're... an eight ball on the break and pulling you saying next, you know, you, your team would win and no sooner than the ball hadn't even gone through the net totally. You're saying next rack, you know, and, and uh, no, I, uh, I appreciated it. You so, know, I, so, you had so, some Gary Payton in you. So, so, uh, okay. So you get, so because Billy, did you know any of the stuff that Billy was, they were talking about Billy was doing like, you know, is it because, because Billy was, he was young, good looking, dressing well and hanging out in Vegas. Did you know any of that stuff was going down? Well, I told him when I got there, I said, Billy, I heard you're going to the hard rock after games. And you do what you want to do, but if, if you continue to do that, uh, I'm going to leave, and you'll be better off without me anyway. You know, because yeah, I got no business telling you what you should do, but you shouldn't be going to the hard rock, win or lose, after games. And uh, I don't think he continued to do that. Now, I didn't, you know, I didn't hire a private detective. I didn't go there myself. He told me he wasn't going, you know, so I, I assumed he wasn't. Uh, I tell you, Billy's one of biggest Billy's biggest problems, Doug, was was his largesse. He was uh, we're playing golf one day and he pulled over. He said, Coach, I got to I got to work on something. I'm going to have to let a couple groups go through. And I said, what's happening? He said, well, I flew a kid out here Monday and he's supposed to go back Friday. And this was like on a Wednesday. He said he wants to go back today. And I said, yeah, what, what are you doing? He said, I'm making arrangements. I said, wait a minute. You paid for him to come out here? You're going to change it? And he said, yeah. I said, you're a better man than I am. I said, I, tell, I, I say, motherfucker, <laughs> you pay your own way home or you make your own arrangements. You know, but he, he that just wasn't any to be like that. Billy Bano is one of the best people I've ever known. I mean, as far as being kind and, 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 and generous and and would do anything for anybody. Now, that 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 that's my experience with him. And I, felt badly, I felt badly taken over because I felt like I was, you know, in a way, yeah, not usurping him, but I wasn't comfortable the way it all went down. Um, so, so do they, do they come in and tell you we're not going to keep you or did, I mean, how, how, how is it handled in your situation? Well, first of all, the athletic director said I wasn't the interim coach. I was the head coach. And at the end of the year, they'd make an assessment. Well, Literally to the day, I think the next coach was in the air coming to Las Vegas the day that the next day. And uh, some people were upset with that. And all three TV stations, ABC, NBC, CBS came over, said, do you think you were treated fairly? Well, the nature of the question indicated to them that it was a rhetorical question. 
But I said, hey, they hired me. They had the right to fire me. You know, I'm a big boy. You know, and, and I, I didn't struggle with not getting a job. I really didn't. So how, how did you come to take the Bryant job? Dan Gavitt, who was the best AD in the country, bar none, he called me, and I knew nothing about Bryant other than I knew it was Rhode Island. And they were Division Two, and they are really good academically. Dan told me that he went to Dartmouth. He said Dartmouth was harder to get in than Bryant, but Bryant was harder to get out of because at that time it was totally a, 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 a business school. Well, I went, and he kept me there an extra day. And, you know, I said, I don't have any more clothes. And so he, got, he takes me to the mall, and he buys me another shirt and tie and I guess underwear and socks, hell, I don't remember. But he said he wasn't going to take no for an answer. Well, I really felt comfortable there. I just, and I had a school in the Big East that, had, I, I'm sorry, in the Big Ten that called me about coming there and being an assistant. And I said, no, I'm going to take the Bryant job. I just felt like it would be the niche that I would enjoy I loved MCI because, like I said, the best places to coach are prisons and cemeteries. Prisons, the alums stay off to your ass, you know, and orphanages, the parents leave you alone. So uh, I thought Bryant was, was an ideal job, and it turned to be. Now, Dan told me, he said, it's going to take you four or five years to get this straightened out because, you know, they hadn't, they were like 110 and 212 or something the previous 10 years. And I said, what do you mean about get it straightened out? He said, well, to, probably to have a winning season. I said, no, no. If it takes me four or five years, you'll be talking to somebody else. And I was very lucky. I got a point guard out of Massachusetts that was uh, at least Atlantic 10 or bottom half of the Big East, John Williams. He had 158 threes his senior year. And he averaged over 20 a game. And long story short, we and I hate that term, long story short, so I've just said it twice. But, you know, three years later or four years later, we played for the national championship against Virginia Union on CBS. But I had a big kid, Mike Williams, a 6'10 kid. Well, three of the kids I had at Bryant played in the G League. And I mean, you know, that's not the end all, but for a Division II program, I had literally five Division I players, one at every position. And uh, we lost to Syracuse by six. We beat Holy Cross, and Holy Cross that year lost to Kansas by like seven in the NCAA. And on the back of that, they went Division I, you know, because we, we went to the Sweet 16, I think – well, I don't think five straight years. And we did it because I had good players. We wanted MCI because I had really good players. I've never seen a, a good team of bad players. I've seen good teams with underachieving players, but there's no way, you know, I don't care who the jockey is, uh, you know, uh, citation is not winning uh, the Kentucky Derby because of the jockey. Um. Okay, how about – so why did you leave Bryant? Well, <laughs> I've been there a number of years, and I had an assistant coach. Now, this is 
this is going to get personal, but I had an assistant coach who's making 19,000. 19,000. And we went to the finals of Division II. And they hired his best friend in the football and paid him 22,000 to start, where Dwayne Pena had been with me two or three years, and they wouldn't give him a raise. And I said, this is diabolical. And all of a sudden, I got really upset with Brian. It had nothing to do with me. I could have cared less about my salary. You know, I was making enough money to, you know, to, to get cable TV, to get the NBA package and the college package. So, you know, and, and go, go eat at McDonald's two nights a week. So I was fine. But they wouldn't pay him more. And uh, I told him, Billy, call me again now to come out to LMU. And I told him, I said, I'm going to LMU, and I'm telling you now, if I like it at all, I'm probably going to go there because of this. Well, they said, you go out there, and then you'll come to your senses. You come back here and be our head coach. Well, I looked at LMU as being somewhat comfortably somewhere halfway in between Bryant and UNLV. There was fervor, and, of course, we had an AD that didn't understand why we couldn't win the national championship because we were in Los Angeles. I, I, I guess he wasn't aware that, you know, Southern Cal was there, UCLA was there, the Clippers were there, the Lakers were there. And he thought because we were on the ocean that we should win the national championship. He'd never heard of Kansas or Michigan or <laughs> or Kentucky, you know, and if it sounds like I'm casting dispersions on him, I am because he was clueless, you know, but, but, but I, 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 I loved LMU. Uh, Cause we didn't, we didn't have to do anything untoward. And I'm not sure that was the case of everybody in that league. And I'm not casting dispersions cause I don't know that I didn't, wasn't in on any of that, but you know, that league is very competitive, very underrated. I think last year it was like seventh or eighth out of 32 leagues in RPI. You know, you take St. Mary's and BYU and Gonzaga and then different teams from year to year, and they're very good, you know. And, and, and I liked LMU, but I, uh, the last year I was there, we had six times as many injuries as the next team in the United States. Six times as many injuries. Now, one year, Doug, we won 21 games, and our three, our number one, three, and four scores missed 30 games. Guviney missed 13. You know, uh, Ashley Hamilton missed 10, and J.D. Dubois missed seven. With them being in there all year, I think we win 25 or 27 games. But that didn't happen. And again, it's, you know, you got to have that next man up thing. And I, as long as they played hard, oh, shit, I'm lying. I'm getting ready to say as long as they played hard, I'd pat them on the back. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> I, 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 I was really, really hard to play for. But to this day, I get calls literally daily, players thanking me for driving them so hard and doing this. You know, I don't so for the way I coached. Could I do it today? No. I, I told you, I told my grandson I'd break his friggin' jaw. And uh, <laughs> you know, 
him in the eighth grade. I don't think, you know, and, that, and that's certifiable. You shouldn't be saying that or doing that. I don't agree with that at all. I know they interviewed Catino Mobley when, uh, was it Tom Izzo grabbed a player? Yeah. And they said, what did you think of that? He said, of what? He said, grabbing him? He said, shit, Coach Good shook the shit out of me daily. <laughs> he said, until I got correct. He said, he jerked me so hard one night in the game, he balled up the front of my jersey to where the number on the back was wrinkled. And uh, Katina Mobley was one of the most talented players I ever coached. Still getting buckets in the big three league at four. He's the doctor group. Hell, he's what, 46, 47? He told our team when he came over, he said, hey, this man made me millions of dollars. No, I didn't. He did. You know, he was so talented. And plus, he was left-handed and hard-nosed as hell. And if I'm digressing, that's what I do. I'm sorry. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. 
Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. But uh, remind me, what, like, what happened? Th- you, you get there and only three games in, Billy, uh, Billy leaves? Yeah, yeah. We, we go to Iowa State's tournament. And we got beat the first night, and I told him, we're on the bench, and I put my arm around him. I said, Coach, we're going we're gonna to win tonight. And he had his eight fingers and two thumbs, and, and when he pulled them out, you could see all the red indentations in his face. He'd been squeezing his face hard. He said, Coach, you don't have to bullshit me. We may not win another game this year. And I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. I, I didn't feel good, and we, you know, we lost the next day, and we come back, and he calls me on. We had a game on Wednesday. We we got in Sunday. We went light on Monday, and then pregame on Tuesday. And he comes in Tuesday and said, "Coach, you're going to have to coach this game Tuesday or Wednesday." And we were playing Notre Dame, and. It was a very personal, touching deal where he was deep into his misery, and I felt so bad that I, we sat there, and, and, and he might not like me saying this, but we both cried. I love Billy Bano. You know, I love Billy Bano. I didn't want to take that job. I didn't, but, you know, what were they going to do at that point? Go hire somebody else at that point? And... Uh, Ironically, we played Notre Dame to like a seven-point game, and they were good. They were good, and they went out the next game, and I think they played the tail off of North Carolina and Hawaii. That's how we got them to play because on the way to Hawaii, they wanted to stop and get the easiest team they could find to play. They had a point guard. I can't think of his name. He's a white kid, but we held him to nothing. Literally nothing. Now, he got 38 against North Carolina in the first round of the Maui Classic. Uh, you mean Kyle McElarney? What was it? Kyle McElarney. I've had him on the pod. Kyle yeah. McElarney. Yeah, he, he, he just he got done playing a year or two ago overseas, played forever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's a hell of a player. They had Luke heron Yeah, heron Right. Well, yeah. guess what? We go to Notre Dame – not the next year, two years later, and we beat Notre Dame. They had won 58 straight games at home, and we beat them at their place. Now, we also, while I was there, we beat Southern Cal, we beat UCLA, and you talk about, you know, they're paying us 85, 80,000. Hell, we could even get French fries with our McDonald's burgers because we didn't have to fly. We just took vans across town. And, uh, but our, our, our one of our best wins was we beat St. Louis. Rick Majerus was there. 
And St. Louis had just won in, uh, oh gosh, and they played in that tournament in California. Uh, they beat Oklahoma. Okay. In Anaheim? Yeah, Anaheim. Yeah. And we beat them. And the, I'm in my office the next day, and a writer from the Los Angeles Times or whatever the news comes in, and he said, Coach, I didn't call because I was afraid you'd say you don't have time. But he said, I want you to know Rick Machera said your team played the best defense of any team he had ever played against, against them. And I said, well, I appreciate that. But understand this, the way we played, we would contact show on side screen and roll. And instead of lifting their wing out of the corner in the big roll and the wing would go to, go to the corner, sprint to the corner and the guard would empty out. And we would face guard almost like a defensive back in football where our back was to the ball. I didn't care if they went back door, but we would face guard and run to the corner. And if they threw the ball, if they didn't make the perfect pass, it would hit us in the back. And their bigs could really shoot the ball. They had two or three bigs that could really make threes. Well, the idea for that was Jason Levy. I know you know Jason Levy. Yeah. You're, he loved your dad. Loved your dad. He loved it. He said he'd go to your house and sit in your dad's chair and your dad would say, no, Jason, you know better than that. Get your ass up out of that chair. <laughs> and he'd, do, he'd do it just irritating. You know, he, well, you know, temporarily, he wasn't really trying yeah. to, do it, but he, but he loved your dad. And uh, so anyway, I told both that I said, that was Jason Levy's idea to defend that that way. I said, I had to sign off on it. But I didn't have anything else. You know, if you trap the guard, you know, and they do slip the ball to the corner, with that guard leaving out, running out, I mean, there's almost no help. And then it's a field day. They're going to decide, do we drive and lay it in or do we, you know, make a three? And he said, well, coach, I'm going to tell you this. He said, if there's like 320 Division One schools, he said, I don't know that there's five coaches in the country that would say that. I said, well, of course I'd say that. That wasn't my idea. See, I really believe in honesty and I don't mean to be, you know, holier than thou, as you said, or, or, but, and so the next day the article comes out, no mention of Jason Levy. So I called the, the guy that wrote the story and I said, you didn't mention Jason Levy. He said, well, coach, it wouldn't have been as an interesting a story. I said, it'd been a lot more honest. It'd been more truthful. And he said, well, what difference does it make? I said, a big difference. You know, if he's got that on his resume that he came up with the defense to, you know, to, to, to not, not necessarily to beat, but at least at that point we're thinking slow down. You know, it was huge to Jason. And uh, I, I was really upset that they didn't give him his proper credit. Um, so the year you beat St. Louis, you guys won 21 games the next year. You had a 14-game losing streak. Like, what happened? How? Why was it so hard to keep it going there? Well, because we had so many injuries. And I'm not – hey, we lost two starters. They came to an early practice on a Sunday, and it was really foggy. It was really foggy, and they made a turn, and a car crashed into them. It wasn't their fault. 
But that didn't change the fact that they were injured. We lost our starting two guard, Daisy Egg, Miami, and then we lost our po- a post player who played at Finley Prep, was a really good player. And we lost both of them for most of the year. And we were just hurt with injury upon injury upon injury. And I had Vernon Teal, who Vernon was a good player, but I'm not talking behind his back. I have told him as, within the last year, he was the biggest pain in the ass I ever coached. And, but he would be good, but uh, he was so stubborn and strong-willed. Like when we beat Notre Dame, you know, they played with two posts, high posts on the elbows, and then they had wings on the corners. Well, they'd throw the ball to Heron Gotti on the, on the right elbow. And on the flight of the ball, uh, Vernon would take off and step out and uh, steal the ball right off his shoulder. He went down and laid it in four times in that game. Eight points, nobody gardening. And I told him before the game, I said, I'm telling you one thing, you crazy son of a bitch. If you leave out of that corner and go gambling for that ball, if, it, if, if we get beat on that play, your ass is coming out and you won't play for five games. Well, I'm stubborn, but I didn't hold it against him when we got eight points with, you know, off passes to Herringotti, where they never even touched Herringotti's hands. He got them on the fly. But, you know, you, you, one of my mentors was Guy Strong. He always said, I don't mind a guy giving me a headache as long as he gives our opponents migraines. Right. Well, Vernon Teal gave uh, Notre Dame migraines that night. <laughs> um, how, how did it end? You get done. It's, it's uh, 2014. How did mm-hmm. it end? going to be. Well, at UNLB. I mean, I, I, sorry, I, sorry, at Loyola Marymount. I apologize. Well, I'm in the post-conference, and we went over there, and Doug, every year, I'll tell you this, two things. Every team I ever took over, we were much better than when I found it. And I attribute that to having kids that didn't mind to be worked hard and, and, and did work hard. And I, we... Went to the West Coast Conference. One year, we won three games. We were not favored in any of them. We won three straight. And I'd always tell them, pack for four nights. Pack enough stuff to so you, we'll be over here four nights. And i tell you what, that one year, did you ever see the movie Cool Hand Luke? Yeah. Remember when he got in a fight with uh, Kennedy? Uh, I can't think of his name. The big, heavy, blonde guy. Yes. He got in a fight out on the lot, and he uh, – I, I just showed him this tape, about a two-minute clip, where he's fighting. And he told him, finally, so stay down, Luke. Stay down. He didn't want to hit him anymore. Well, so he picks him up, and while he's picking him up, and Luke takes his right arm with a big loop and tries to hit him. You know, while he's being, he's barely, you know, alive. But the point was well taken. You know, no matter how bad things are, you've got to keep fighting. See, I'd, I'd rather get beat by 50 points and 51. Every point's valuable. And I don't think there's such a thing as garbage time. There's garbage players. I don't think there's any such thing as garbage time. I think you compete till the buzzer goes off. I, uh, I don't know if you ever saw when Crom Butler started to shake somebody's hand. They reached their hand out. He stole the ball, went down, laid it in. 
I was at that game. He got criticized. He said afterwards, he said, I knew Coach Good would raise hell if I didn't keep playing. And, you know, the opponent might not like it, but who cares what they like? I'm not responsible for another team. When I'm at Eastern Kentucky, Doug, I'm going to go back. We played Western Kentucky. I had five starters that come to find out they were three minutes early, but to me early is 10 to 15 minutes. I'm not going to quibble over 10 or 15. Well, they were three minutes early, but the clock in the student in the cafeteria where they were eating was wrong. It said it was like quarter of, and it wasn't. It was like about five of. When they get there, we gone. We go down there without five starters. And we don't practice because our, you know, I'm afraid they'd die of hypothermia, uh, you know, and I didn't want them to know well. So we play Western the next night, and that was before the shot clock. We held the ball for about three minutes and finally got a lay, wiggled for a layup. The kid wedged it. He was a was a walk-on. He wedged the ball. Well, we get beat soundly. When I get back, they're on the steps, and the, I told them they better be there. They were in the gym, and there was a crew filming them. They were running the steps at like 2 in the morning. So you didn't – did you tell – did you make them run the steps, or did they – No, I told them when we hit there, they better be on those steps. Yeah. And I get a letter. I get two letters from Western fans excoriating me because they paid such and such a money and, you know, for parking, tickets, eating, to go watch a sham of a game. And we got beat by 30. Probably should have got beat by 50. But it didn't make – well, it did make a difference to me. I'd rather get beat by 30 than 31. But anyway, one of them, I looked them up. I had to get their address. They didn't put their return address on it. I wrote both of them and I said, listen, I've checked my contract thoroughly and nowhere in my contract does it say I got to appease Western Kentucky fans. I don't answer to you all. I answer to five players that were late. And I can promise you after that, the latest they ever were, and this was a preseason game. After that, they were... Uh, you know, the latest dead be it'd be about a half hour early. Um, I, I, you know, I think too many coaches coach to appease too many people. And I guess with the salaries you're getting, you, you know, you got to protect that. People want to know why there's so much stuff going on in big time basketball. Well, of course, they've, they've legislated it now. So it's, you know, it's a wild, wild west now. They, they, they couldn't really – they could, but they didn't really deal with cheating. They knew they couldn't. They know it was out of hand, so they just said it was okay to do it. You know. How do you cheat now? How do you cheat now with the rules? I, I think it's – I think it's like legalized cheating, isn't it, with name, image, and likeness? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and see, to me, we had a kid that uh, – at UNLV, we went to the NCAA – we won 25 games, and he, he was married, and somebody gave him a used box spring and mattress. And he didn't get to play in the NCAA or the first eight games the next year. The coach from the University of Maine, John Giannini, called me and said, God, I pray they don't ever come to the University of Maine. 
<laughs> it, you, you know, if a kid's married and she, they had two children to give it, to buy him a box spring and a mat, they were used. Listen, to listen, I, I, that, I agree. I agree with you. But you mean to tell me there was nothing else going on at UNLV? Oh, I mean, that may be illegal, but to not help a kid in that situation. No, no, I, I, I agree with you in that situation. That's ridiculous. That, that's right. where the NCAA looks, looks foolish. But it always felt like there was other, that, that that's why it was hard to coach at UNLV, which is like you don't even you don't even have to say anything to anybody. You know, they, that town wants to help the rebels out. Right? right. Well, I think did I tell you last time about Casper's Kambala paying for a meal for with a hundred dollar bill? No. OK, well, he's he goes out and he's married and they eat and he he pays with a hundred dollar bill to pay for the meal. And of course, some, somebody was there and they called all the TV stations and told them, and they wanted to know what I was going to do. I said, I'm not doing a damn thing. His wife has a job. She had a full-time job. I said, I don't know where he got that money. I damn sure didn't give it to him. Uh, Cause if somebody gave him a hundred dollars, he was being overpaid. And they wanted me to not play him the next game. I said, no, I'm not doing that. I don't have any proof that there was anything funny going on. I mean, how, how much are you going to get in everybody's business? And, you know, there were people right in our own town that didn't, you know, there are people moving in there from all over the place that didn't want UNLV. For all the boosters they had that wanted to help UNLV, there were certain that there were certain segment that probably didn't want him to, you know, to have success. What am I going to do? Call him in, give him a lie detector, ask him where he got the hundred dollar bill in a town that's full of hundred dollar bills. Question. I slept well with that one. I didn't. So, I didn't. so you, so, okay. So did you know it was over? Was it a surprise? Like how did it, how did it end? What? At, uh, Little Marymount. Oh, yeah. We had all those injuries and we won two games in the tournament. And I'll never forget because Leo Papil, have you heard of Leo Papil? Of course, the ABC. Oh, one of my heroes. I love Leo Papil. We got in the New England Hall of Fame together. I was so proud not to be in the Hall of Fame, but to be with him. I love Leo. One of the last of the Mohicans. But he... uh you know, he's in the press conference and and uh, our AD, they asked him about my situation. He said, well, what do you think? He said, I think if we had had all our players and not had all these injuries this year, we'd be playing Gonzaga on Tuesday. I think it was like a Saturday in the, maybe it was Monday. I, I don't remember the day. I know there was an off day because of BYU and, you know, on Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, he said, I think we'd have been in the finals. Well, I get back to I get back to UNLV and he calls me in and said he's not gonna. And Tommy Abeta Marco had told me this, and I I know you've heard of Tommy Abeta Marco. My brother coached with him. Oh, incredible recruiter. He had two players. Hey, we had two players at LMU that were made the all freshman team. Gabe Levin, who's a hell of a player, he went to Long Beach State. Got player of the year his senior year. And uh, we had, I, got, uh, I can't even think of his damn name because I'm worried about getting it out here because of time. 
but we had a guard who averaged 17 as a freshman. Those were the kind of freshmen they hadn't had at LMU in a while. Well, then we signed, you know, Tommy Abeta Marco signed Isaiah Stewart, who went to USC. He's still got the most threes in their history. And we had Kyron Cartwright from Compton, who made all big East at Providence's last yep. couple of years. Yep. Well, those, just, two, yeah. those two guys would have been, you know, all conference players in the West Coast Conference, probably as early as their sophomore year. And then Mike, we had, uh, they had a kid that when Mike Show went to Long Beach State, he had a kid from Maryland that came and he ended up being the player of the year in, in that league. Uh, he was a transfer from Maryland. He averaged over 20 a game. We'd have had those five guys. And uh, Mark Few called me and he said, God, he said, you all were really going to be good. I said, well, time will tell. You know, time would tell. But, uh, you know, he's, he's saying that about me. And then on Tuesday, he calls me and tells me he's not going to – they're not going to – they didn't fire me, but they weren't going to renew, renew my contract. So it's a matter of semantics. Of course they fired me. And I had heard Tommy Abeta Marco told me that they had been pursuing Mike Dunlap. And I told the AD, Bill Husek, God bless him, I said, if this is what Jesuits do, I'm damn sure I'm glad I'm not a Jesuit. <laughs> and I said, for you to do this, I said, I'm going to tell you this quick story. When I was at UN, I told him that. I said, I'm at UNLV, and Rhode Island called me about their job. And they asked me, I said, well, don't you have a coach? And they said, yeah, but. I said, no, no, no. Do you have a coach? Yes, but. I said, no. If and when you don't have a coach and you have an opening and you're going to continue the basketball program, I would be interested because I'm from New England. And I had Katina Mobley and Luther Clay and Sean Colson. I had three different players that played for Rhode Island. But I said, as long as you've got a coach, I'm not interested. And I said, apparently the Jesuit don't, Jesuits don't feel the same way. Well, he, you know, he had already had the job. You know, and, and uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Some of these people, it just it, it boggles my mind, the things they will do. Um, is if it's so, going so, to so, being critical of them, I am with a hundred percent critical of that decision. No, that's, that's so not, not not the decision, but how it came about. So we talked a little bit about Pratt. So now, how how much do you miss it? Like what what you? This has been your entire life. Well, I thought I would really miss it, but I came and I've become addicted to the Celtics. And of course, I watch every game from beginning to end and I fume and, you know, get get excited and, you know, and I, 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 I get so mad and I'm going to say this. I think Jason Tatum is a really, really good talent, but I'm not sure he wouldn't rather get 34 and lose than get 15 and win. And I said that in a tweet and several people have picked up on that. That may be totally unfair to him, but you know, when they really need baskets and 
He, I wish he'd just lower his head and go get on the foul line or, you know, make the official make a call. And he cries on every call. He'll veer off and get in the f- official's face and, you know, won't get back on defense and they'll, you know, they'll score a layup because he's not back. And, but, but I do, I, I, like the other night, they played beautifully. They played beautifully, their team. I mean, they shared the ball. I think they had like 30, 20, 27, 28 assists or something. But anyway, that's enough. I thought I'd miss it, and I really don't. And, Doug, I couldn't coach today. You know, Bill Husack did say this. He wanted us to put chairs out on the floor at LMU. I said, I'm not doing that. God damn Red Auerbach didn't need to do that. And I know he's thinking, well, Red Auerbach retired in 1912. And I'm exaggerating. When you say say chairs out on the floor, what do you mean? Well, you know, in timeouts to put those little chairs to take your team. Why? Well, he said, Coach, the Jesuits don't understand that to you, a cocksucker and a motherfucker is a term of endearment. (laughs) And... I tell you what, we're over at the West Coast Conference Tournament, Doug, and I've got a kid, Taylor Walker, who was a walk-on, but he was damn good. I mean, he probably was a borderline scholarship, like third or fourth guard. Tough, strong. Well, we're in a timeout, and I had railed on him so badly that people were in the end zone straining to hear everything I said. I finally said, I said, Taylor, Will you tell these cocksuckers about themselves? I'm worn out. Well, he proceeded to go off and out profane me for a full minute to the point that, hell, I was I was psych, you know, I I was contacting psychiatrists so they could get therapy after the game. I mean, I've never heard anybody go off on players like that as bad as he did. Now, of course, they they didn't mind it because it came from him. You know, (laughs) It came from him. <laughs> I, I said, oh, Lord, am I that bad? They said, I'm worse. Well, I said, you know, that's diabolical. I told him, I said, Taylor, I'll tell you what, you probably shouldn't have said it, but i tell you, we went on a run and, and we start, you know, we got right back in the game because he got on them so hard. You know, they were sick of me saying it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You're uh, the, the, the best player you've ever evaluated. The other what? Best player you've ever evaluated. You went and saw a kid and you're like, I've heard best oh. kid you've ever, you've ever evaluated. A- a- Antonio Paris, the kid I said is the most talented player I ever had. My assistant coach, John Ferguson, had gone to Middle Tennessee with a guy that was the uh, academic advisor at a high school, Brainerd, I think it was, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he called John. He said, John, this kid's never gone to any camps. And he's, I'm telling you, he said he is a big-time player. Well, John calls me one night. You know, he's at a game in uh, – near Knoxville, Tennessee, which was about, you know, at least four hours from Richmond. He said, Coach, you need to come down to this game. And I said, can you get a tape of it? He said, no, Coach, you need to come down. You know, because it's like two in the afternoon when he tells me this. So I get down there, and I'm watching in warm-ups, Doug, and I watch the first guy, the second guy, the third guy, the fourth guy. He jumped so high and let go of the ball. It seemed like he was a foot over the square and the ball floated and took forever to get there. I had never seen anybody jump that high. He's the kid I talked about the last time. Well, he gets 37 points in the game and he gets a tip in or a put back from the foul line. He's running from the left wing. Ball bounces to the, you know, they're down one, bounces to the foul line. He catches it, jumps in the air while the ball's in the air and makes it. Now he visited like I said, Cincinnati and Illinois, and he's the most talented player I've ever had. 
God bless uh, Karan Butler. God bless uh, Demar Johnson. God bless Katina Mobley. God bless uh, Brad Miller, and on and on. I had Jay, uh, I had Johnny Rhodes who played at Maryland, who was a fantastic player with incredible feel. He and he, here's the irony: he and Jer- Jerron Brown didn't have their test score, and they had the best feel and best basketball IQ of any two players I ever had. And Eric Barkley was a monster at, at MCI. He had 51 and 48 in back-to-back games against Winston. They had 12 Division I players. But Tony Paris was the, was the best player. Uh, it came from, you know, do we want him to can we get him? And, of course, he came and he scored like 1,700 points and missed the biggest part of his sophomore year. As a freshman, uh, over 20 a game. I still talk to him. He's, you know, he's diseased. You know, he's got a disease. And, and uh, I talked to him. And he'll say, you loved me, didn't you, Tony? I said, no, I hated your ass. You wouldn't guard anybody. <laughs> he'd laugh and he'd say, how many? You'd always call me a son of a bitch, wouldn't you? I said, yeah, pretty, pretty readily. And he'll laugh and he'll say, I could have been good defensively. I said, yeah, that was the problem. You surely could have been. Should have been a 15-year NBA All-Star. He was that talented. What, um, what's the worst gym you've ever coached in, in one of those knapsack gyms? Knapsack, uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame Academy. And the, who's the big Adams? Stephen Adams played there. They've had some really good players there. Oh, that gym was awful. Just awful. And we, Doug, we were 290 and 25, and we had to play at least four fifths, if not slightly more, uh, uh, at a way, because we were in, up in Maine. It was a long trip, plus, people knew they probably weren't going to go home with a smile, you know, after because we were good. But Notre Dame prep had the worst gym I've ever in, in the NETSAC. Or are you talking about the NESCAC or the NETSAC? You tell me. Well, I don't know if you're talking about college or prep school. If you're talking no, about prep, I'm talking huh? prep. Oh yeah, yeah. It was Notre Dame, Notre Dame, and they were good. I mean, they had good players. And hey, at halftime, I said to John, they had they had a kid. I can't think of his last name, Johnny. Yeah. Anyway, I said, Johnny, where did you get these damn officials? I said, God damn. I mean, we're at least we'll come play you here. Nobody else would go play them there. And come to find out, I said, is he living with you? Guess what? He was. The kid had been, been separated from his wife, and he was living in the, in the dorm at, uh, at Notre Dame Prep with Johnny, Johnny Kelly. Johnny Kelly's face turned redder than spank baby's ass when I said that to him, you know, because uh, – <laughs> <laughs> we won the second half, but I mean, it was awful the first half. And I didn't get on officials, not at MCI, because they all thought they weren't capable of making a mistake or doing something wrong. You know, I, 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 I don't know, remember ever saying a word to an official. Really? Get on our players. I tell you what, I'm at Bryant. And I'm being interviewed, and after I was interviewed, we had a kid named Eric, 
Oh, gosh, I can't think of his last name. But anyway, afterwards, Mike Williams, our big 6'11 center, who was very good, he said, Eric, what's the problem? He said, boys, you better hope that damn plane goes down going back to Vegas. (laughs) He said, (laughs) he played at New Hampton. He said he jumped his player so hard, he had us pissing our pants. He said, you would not believe how he talked to his players. And he said, intimidated the shit out of them. And they had a redheaded guard that went to Indiana. They had, an, I mean, New Hampton had, a, they had the, the kid, his dad owns uh, Denver Nuggets and the. Yeah. The, yeah he, he runs the Nuggets now. Yeah. His son yeah. runs the Nuggets. That, that, that kid could really shoot the ball. He, hey, he visited his mom and dad came and I told him I didn't know if he'd make the travel squad. Now, you know, he had enough money to buy all of New England and probably Pennsylvania and New York. And I told him I didn't know if he'd make the travel squad. He'd have to, you know, they said, what did I see, foresee for him? I said, I've never seen him play. You're talking about Josh Conkey? Yeah. And he could really shoot the basketball. I think he went to Missouri. He did? Yeah. Well. He could have played for us. He wouldn't have started, but he could have played for us. I've had to extract my foot from my mouth several times. <laughs> and it comes out a little tougher than it goes in my mouth. <laughs> if, if you could change one thing about your coaching career, what would it be? I'd have had more patience and more poise. It was rare I came up at a timeout thinking, turn the page, get on to the next play. I would want my pound of flesh in every timeout for somebody had screwed up, you know, and they knew they'd screwed up. They knew more than anybody. I was, I I was unreasonable. I think, you know, in my different levels of basketball, you know, I've won a lot of games but I think we could have won at least a hundred more and had a hundred fewer defeats, but that wasn't my personality. It still isn't. And, you know, I have players thanking me constantly. I mean, constantly, Doug, it's amazing. And it's the ones I've gotten on the most, but if I had it to do over, I'd show more poise and patience and not get on them so hard, especially during the game. You know, I'd leave them alone more in the game. And I left them alone on the floor. I didn't try to, you know, choreograph everything they did on the floors. Just during timeouts, I'd get after them something off. When you would um, – how, how, how do you have such a good relationship? I think that's what, what people would ask to be. You, you mother – by, by your own accounts, you motherfucked guys and got on to them. How do you how do you build the relationship so that they they don't listen to the actual words they they listen to what you're saying like how 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 is that built? They know I'm honest. They know you know they'll tell me I'm a real one, whatever the hell a real one is. I guess if that's warm and breathing, I'm a real one. But they they will spot a phony, and they appreciated getting better. They knew they got better. Like I had a kid from New Jersey. He came in. He said, Coach, 
can I play at Rutgers? I said, oh, yeah, they have a noon pickup game every day. You can't play for Rutgers, but you can play at Rutgers and noon pickup. And he ended up going to a Division three school in New Jersey and had a really good career. You know, I, I think the more honest you are with it. When I had Brad Miller, I had people asking me, where do you think, is he a Division I player? I said, have you lost your mind? I said, he'll be a 15-year NBA player. Well, I was off by one. I think he was 16. You know, they, they, they really didn't see the value of his IQ and his passing ability and, and his toughness and his positioning. And you know he could, he, you know he could really shoot. But, you know, I think you've got to be able to evaluate players. But, I, you know. And you make them tougher. Yeah, I know I've made kids tougher. We're, we're at Bryant one day, and I didn't like – we beat a team, but I didn't like the way it happened. And we're, go, we're leaving the next day. They were going home for Thanksgiving. Well, I called practice that day they were going home for Thanksgiving, and I swear to God, we'd sta- I'd stand at midcourt and roll the ball across the court, and two guys would have to run from the baseline, dive, get the ball – get up and then play one-on-one to the, you know, to, to whatever basket, depending on which one got it, whatever basket they play one-on-one. If they didn't block out, I didn't mind if they didn't score, if they hollered shot, if they contested with the left hand on a right hand shooter, which you see all the time, guys trying to block shots with the right hand on a right hand shooter, you lose about eight inches in length reach when you do that. But we, we did that, and at the end of that practice, I'm glad they had four or five days. We couldn't have played the next day because we were so beat up and bloody. And I used to tell the trainer, don't you come out on the floor. Every place I've been, I didn't want the trainer out there because then they go running to them every time they get a thumbnail, you know, every time they have a cuticle uh, that's bleeding slightly. And uh, – we're sitting there in the gym afterwards, and I was drained because I, I, I worked my ass off in practice. I mean, I was constant, you know, I mean, I was, you know, just super anal about getting on them for everything, and I was worn out. I'm sitting, we got to walk on Jimmy Choquette. He's leaving, and he has got a bandage on his arm and a big Band-Aid on a part of his head. And he said, Coach, have a great Thanksgiving. That's the greatest practice I've ever been a part of. Well, I looked at my assistants. I said, can you believe this shit? I just could have got arrested and thrown in jail for what I just did. And this son of a bitch thinks it's the greatest practice he ever had. Because <laughs> I think down deep, people want to compete. Hey, call no Andre Williams. Call Andre Williams. Call Demar Johnson. Call Karan Butler. Call Katina Mo. Call any of them. Call guys that didn't even play. I had a kid, Abdullah McPherson's the only kid that came to MCI that I didn't even know he was coming. I mean, he didn't apply through me. He didn't come. He just showed up at the gym and shit. I go to practice that day. When I left, I said, I don't know who the other four starters are, but Abdullah McPherson's going to start. And he told me, just he just wished me Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to because I'm always saying things. I said, fuck Christmas. I don't care about Christmas. And obviously <laughs> I do. Yeah. But, 
They expect me to say stuff like that. He said, that's why I always loved you. You the craziest son bitch I ever knew. And, and I, I got to play for you. But some down deep in some kids, I think they really like going places that they can't take themselves. There's an old football coach at Michigan said discipline is really taking a kid where he can't take himself. You know, and very few people are self-starters like Michael Jordan. And that, he's a psychopath. I think that's why he's the best that ever played. Kobe had a lot of that. But I, I, th I think kids love being made to fight. And, I mean, we would do at least three toughness drills every day in practice. At least three. Like I what? Picked up, I picked up something from Coach Sutton. You know, I, if, if and when I was at MCI, if somebody popped out or got, went out to the wing and caught the ball, I took him out of the game, the defender. You had to force him back door. Your ass didn't play. Well, Coach Sutton used to run through on denials. You know yes. that. Yes. We used, practice, he, he, we used to practice. That's how we warm up every day is practice running yeah, through denials. He'd get, he'd get the ball with the hand closest to the defender, not Correct. the hand where he's denying. Correct. Well, yeah, I started doing that. I got that from him. Hell, you're never too old to learn. And uh, I love Coach Sutton. He came up to MCI, and I tell you what, he brought a box that had like 12 rings in it from place, you know, from Southern Idaho and Creighton and wherever he'd all been. But I love Coach Sutton. He just opened that box, and I wish you'd seen their eyes pop when they looked at those rings. <laughs> he didn't have to say anything, you know, that, 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 that authenticated him. And, of course, you know him really, really well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I love Sean. Sean came once, and <laughs> Larry Shiat was with Providence. And Sean Sutton was there. He said, Coach, go tell Sean he committed to Providence. I said, no, I can't do that. I said, he's, he's tighter than a snare drum. And he, he, <laughs> I said, hell, he may die of a heart attack. He said, no, tell him, tell him, tell him. I said, well, you be there to catch him if he falls. And, of course, he ended up going to Purdue, which I felt he would go to Purdue anyway. But I had people want to know if he was a Division One player. <laughs> I guess the NBA is Division One, isn't it? It is. It is the, it is the high, 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 highest of high major. Well, Max. my good friend in Kentucky always said, well, he'll play in those bigger towns someday. <laughs> In football, what do they say? He'll play on Sundays. In yep. basketball, he said, yeah, that boy will play in them bigger towns. So. Yeah, I've heard his, his sneakers squeak different. That's one of my, my, my favorite ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, Max, I can't tell you how appreciative I have your, of your time. And well, no, you did not I, get I me. appreciate you. you. I hope I didn't cost you your job. You did not. Hey, if I did, you'll get a better one. <laughs> Just the way you got to look at it. Here's what we do. We're going to wait till the next big Celtics game, and then we'll do one after the Celtics game, and you can just let it rip after, about the Celtics. Hey, I'll be on as much as you're foolish enough to have me. You're the best. Max, I appreciate you joining me, and thanks for being my guest. Thank you, Doug. Love you. Love you, too. See ya. Did I tell you that guy is entertaining? It's amazing. I just feel so enlightened and so enjoyable. And that's what like the old crotchety basketball coach kind of sounds like really, really sounds like a reminder. The Doug Gottlieb show is daily three to six Eastern. 
12 to 3 Pacific on iHeartRadio app, FoxSportsRadio.com or Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM 217, 203. You can download the podcast as well. Follow me on Facebook at Doug Gottlieb Show or on Twitter or on Instagram. Those are all at Gottlieb Show. In the meantime, uh, Rex Walters is upcoming next. That's my next guest. In the meantime, hope you enjoyed Max Good. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.